I am Brian. I am your youth pastor here at this church. Greetings. I, uh, I got, a fun, got a couple of fun stories to start off with. First off, yesterday, Greg and I were talking on the phone, and Greg's taken, Pastor Greg's taken a much-needed uh, vacation. And we're talking on the phone, and we talked for 32 minutes and 40 seconds. And we were both in Barnes & Noble, walking around, talking to each other on the phone. Is that amazing? <laughs> That's good times. I just love that. And then finally, he re- I guess he saw me. I was over the kids' section because I had my three kids. He came over and we, you know, we finished talking. But it was just awesome. It's just good. Anyway, Pastor Greg says greetings. Thanks for, uh, and, I think, and I thank you for, and I thank him for letting me preach this morning. Um, usually I speak to the youth. And uh, so uh, some of the youth are going to stay in the service um, during this service. Let's start off with um, just real quick a story about my daughter. On Thursday, I um, got the privilege of sitting in the chapel at this church. Have you guys ever sat in a preschool or kindergarten chapel? Oh, it is amazing. Watching four-year-olds get up doing Bible verses and, and saying, you know, singing songs, it's just, oh, it melts your heart. Kind of fits in a little bit, but not exactly. So anyway, um, my daughter Jillian, she's, she's awesome, but she just talks. She's four years old, and it is a nonstop talk. She talks about anything and everything. It is just Whatever the subject she's teach, learning on in Sunday school, whatever she's learning in preschool, it's just a nonstop talk. And she started singing the same song over and over again. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And you guys know the story about Zacchaeus. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, come down from the tree. So she keeps, singing that, that <laughs> she keeps singing that song over and over again. My oldest son, Hudson, who is 10 years old, says, you know, kind of playing a joke on her, says, you know what, Jillian, I want you to tell people that you want to be an IRS agent, okay? And because uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And I go, I go, Hudson, do you even know what an IRS agent is? I, I'm not, he always talks, I'm not sure what an IRS agent, but they talk about it on TV all the time. So something to do with taxes. I said, okay, that's all you need to know. We'll leave it at that, right? So Jillian goes um, to, uh, to her, her grandma and says, um, yes, I want to be an IRS agent. And then she keeps singing the song over and over again about Zacchaeus over and over again. And her grandma says, oh, that's, that's really sweet. Now, are you going to climb up in a sycamore tree when you, when you meet Jesus? And she goes, no, I'm going to wait in line like everybody else. <laughs> when there's a nonstop talk, you get things like that. Anyway, all right. Anyway, uh, children are precious. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 12, verses 12 through 17. That's going to be the main section that we're going to be going over. If you're one of those guys that just love flipping around the Bible, you love doing Bible drills when you're a kid, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of verses rapid fire at the beginning. But this is the main section, so it's in your bulletin also. So uh, let's, let's give this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, um, we just thank you so much for this section, Lord. Uh, your spirit needs to fill everybody in this room up. And sometimes I don't feel that way. I know there are people in this room that don't feel that way. Father, I ask that, that everybody, myself, the elders, the pastors, Greg, that we would all just take a step back and realize that your spirit fills us up. And it gets us through all the difficult things in this world, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to start off with what sin are you struggling with in your life? What sin are you struggling with? So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and confess what sin that is.
Every service I know I'm going to get that response. It's fine. <laughs> if this was youth, I would make them do it. But it's, 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 it's different. All right. uh, we're going to start off with this premise. Last week, Greg just nailed it last week about how to deal practically with sin, um, and which is basically just flee it. Flee it. Like, get away from it. And um, I, want to, I want to share um, what the Bible says about that. Other verses, not just Romans 8, but all over the place. Um, Real quick, just, just kind of set things up, two things to set up real quick. You guys heard the illustration before that sin, there's, eight, there's actually eight different definitions of sin in our Bible, but the one that is most often used is sin means that you're missing a mark, missing the mark. It's an archery term, you know, when you shoot the bow and arrow, and you completely miss the target altogether, the guy on the other end would yell up, sin. You guys have heard that before, right? Well, that is what sin is. Now, there's three things that separate us from God. Three things. And if you guys can think of something else, tell me after service. Okay? Three things. There's our flesh, which we're going to be dealing mostly with these verses. There's Satan and all the demonic strongholds and powers that he rules. And then there's the world, which is the combination of those two things. Okay? So that sums up everything. That's what separates us from God. Now, I'm going to be talking about the sins that we commit, the things that we fail at. But when we think of sin, let's not always just think about, oh, I made a mistake, I messed up, I need to repent, I need to change. Let's also think about the things that God calls us to do, and yet we don't do. When we hear the, that, that, like, the Holy Spirit kind of triggering us, going, hey, you really should help out that person. You're like, eh. That's also sin. I'm not going to be addressing that this morning, but I want everybody to be aware of that. Okay? Because I, I think we always focus on sin as like, you know, naughty, naughty, naughty. But it's more than naughty, naughty, naughty. It's, it's, it's a hard issue, and we'll talk about that. So the first thing is how we can practically deal and defeat sin in our lives is we need to recognize how sin works. James 1, 14 and 15 says this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. These desires, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is grown up, brings forth death. It is your own desires. It is your flesh. I would say, in my opinion, the majority of all of our sins, you know, if there's an aggregate and there's like a way of like figuring this out, and there isn't, get to heaven and I'll ask God this question. The majority of those three things are flesh, Satan, strongholds, and the world. I would say the majority of the things that we fail at is our flesh. It's number one. We need to acknowledge that we have our own desires are not necessarily what God's desires are. We need to acknowledge that our flesh is corrupt. Our flesh is not what it was intended to be. We are all living in a fallen state. Number two, we need to identify our spiritual soft spot. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and des- uh, despairingly sick. Who can understand it? Your heart is corrupt. hate to say that. You didn't wake up this morning and go, oh, I'm glad this guy told me my heart is corrupt, okay? When I think of heart, I think of emotion. I think of emotion, and it's more than that, but I think of emotion. I think the essence of who we are, we are corrupt beings. How many of you guys ever heard the phrase, allow the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting? You guys ever heard that before? It means don't rely on your own flesh and your own desires. Let the Holy Spirit kind of fill you up. Our heart is wicked and evil. And if you read the Old Testament at all, you, you would know our heart is, is evil and it's corrupt. And it's only by the blood of Christ, and we'll get into that. Um, but we need to acknowledge that we have a soft spot in our heart. 
It makes us do things that we don't want to do, our flesh. Number three, confess and repent when you sin. Confess and repent when you sin. Psalms 32, the whole chapter, David talks about that. We're not going to read that, but this is a verse that you guys might have memorized. It's one of my favorite verses, Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you confess your sins and when you repent, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, my brother's a math teacher. He's sitting in service, okay? I heard at a church camp once, this kid, this kid uh, gets a you know, mountaintop high, awesome experience. He's experiencing the Lord. He goes, Lord, I just want to turn my life 360 degrees around for you, okay? And guess what? He did, and I'm just going, take, take a geometry class, okay? Repent simply means to do a 180, to change one's mind, to go in a different direction, to not allow that sin to dominate your life. Just, just Bible trivia stuff, stuff that I love. It says in the King James Bible that God repented three times in the Old Testament because he changed his mind. Now, you think God repented, oh, start freaking out. It's because the literal definition of repent means to change one's mind. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, and we'll talk more about confession in a, in a little bit. Um, the next thing is, turn from sin within five seconds of temptation. Turn from sin within five seconds of temptation. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on it. Um, in my life, I have made a personal commitment that I would never be alone with a woman that's not my wife. That is the standard that I have set, and this isn't like, oh, look, he's holy or anything like that. I just know that if I don't go past that line, then there won't be another line that I won't go past, and there won't be another line that I go past. And and again, I just want to make this very clear. I know some of you guys are counselors. You have to do that. In business, there are times that there are opportunities where you have to do that. I'm I'm just saying in my life, I choose to not have that be an issue for me at all. I will never struggle with that because I'm never alone with a woman that's not my wife. Does that make sense to you guys? I am fleeing that. I'm getting away from that. Next one, starve off sin by making no provision for it. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify your desires. To gratify your desires. Um, There are things that I struggle with, whether it's a a glass, glass bottle or a glass screen or something else in my life, you don't make a provision for it, then you won't struggle with it. If, if it is not something that you invest into it, you won't deal with that. That's something you need to take a step back and say, that's just not going to be something that I struggle with. Next, place a hedge, uh, excuse me, place hedge between yourself and the sin. Proverbs 5.8. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Okay? This is... What am I talking about? Um, I tell the youth that I'm 54 years old. I'm really 41 years old. I want to exceed expectations. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Right. So, tell the youth that I'm older, and they're in here. You, got, you get it now. Sorry. Joke's over. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I was young, and I was dating my girlfriend at the time, who became my wife, Jen, we dated for six and a half years before we got married. Okay? Now, Bible times arrange marriages Totally different circumstances, okay? We dated for six and a half years, and yet I did not, we did not, we did not have sex. 
We did not close, get close to having sex. We did not do things, excuse me, let me take that back. We did things that were wrong, okay? But we did not go where we shouldn't have gone. Does that make sense to everybody? Do I have to, do I have, to like have a diagram up here for you? Okay? You get what I'm saying, okay? We definitely made mistakes, okay? But we did not have a provision for it. We fled it. We put a hedge. One of the heads was, hey, we're not going to take our clothes off. We're not going to take our, well, hello. That's some pretty easy practical advice, all right? Next, look for ways to escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. With the temptation, he will also provide a way to escape and you may be able to endure it. God will provide a way of getting out of the sin that you're in if you allow him. You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that he's the one that will help you get through it. Next, and this is the one that I love. This is what I always hear my mom chirping in the back of my head. Fill your mind up with good things. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about things that are positive. Think about things that will build you up and fill you up and not things that are negative. There's a constant battle going on in my mind where I'm having happy thoughts and then I start having these despairing discouraging response, okay? Think about excellence, not like Raiders excellence, because they're not excellent anyway, okay? <laughs> Never mind, okay. thought there were some, I hate the Raiders, so it's just my own personal thing, okay? Think about excellence. Think about what you can do to fill your life up with positive things. There are things that get me down. Do I allow those things to get me down? Or do I say, I'm gonna fill my life up by living in the spirit, and allow, again, that phrase, allow the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting. There's a verse that I, I learned when I was a child, and like I hadn't thought about it for years. And just studying this week, I finally found it. And this is it. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. And the verse is Zechariah um, 4, 6. And it says this. Then he said to them, this is the word of the Lord of Zerubbabel. I don't know if that's right or not, but we'll just go with that, all right? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not your own doing. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting in your life. When you are being discouraged, when there are sins that's entering your life, when there are things that are making you miss the mark, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. And again, last part, uh, the Ephesians verse, do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let this Holy Spirit be the source of your happiness and joy. Now, when I was a kid, and I'm a, you know, part of the Star Wars generation, I was four years old when Star Wars came out, so my life is just, you know, I'm part of the Star Wars saga, okay? When I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of the Force. Am I the only one? You guys are looking at me like, what are you talking about, okay? I think the Holy Spirit is this, this, this magical force that controls all things, and Yoda can make, you know, things float around the room and whatnot. Okay? But the Holy Spirit is, is, is a person. It is part of the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He will fill you up. Romans 8, the entire chapter of Romans 8, mentions the Holy Spirit more than any other chapter in the entire Bible. If you want to know how the Holy Spirit works in your life, read Romans 8. There's, 
some people, some Christians have kind of like taken the Holy Spirit and gone too far with it in one direction, so the rest of the Christians kind of just ignore the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is, is who gives us the assurance of our salvation. Let's embrace the Holy Spirit. Let's be filled up. Let's let it allow us to separate the sin in our lives by choosing to live in the Spirit, not choosing to live by our own flesh. Um, that brings us to the key verse this morning, which is Romans 8, 12. Um, read along your Bibles or your electronic devices or just read it on the screen. Here we go. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as, son, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs to God and fellow heirs to Christ, uh, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Oh, this is so rich. So much to talk about here. This is such good stuff right here. Love this section. First off, I'm going to start off with this. As a father, as a earthly father, I got to name my three kids. What a, what a blessing that is. I named my first son Hudson after Hudson Taylor, the uh, Baptist uh, missionary in Indochina in the, 19, in the uh, 1800s. I named my second son Cooper after Tim Coop. Some of you guys might know Tim Coop. And also uh, uh, Michael Cooper, the great, greatest defensive basketball player in the history of the NBA. Anybody? No? Anybody? No? My wife thought, no, it was Tim Coop. No, it's Michael Cooper and Tim Coop. Anyway, all right, it's all good. And then I just named Jillian after a restaurant in Arizona, like Kobe Steakhouse. Anyway, okay. Um, anyway, you get, you get the common theme here. I get to name, I got, to, as, as a earthly father, I got the privilege of naming my kids. Well, um, I, one of the things I get to do as a, as a youth pastor is I substitute teach in the school districts so I can be in front of the kids. I was over at uh, Roosevelt out in Eastvale, and I was teaching the kids, and I'm reading off all the names of the kids because no, no, no chart. They didn't have a seating chart. Got to have a seating chart. Okay, anyway, all right. Uh, reading off all the names of the kids, and the kids, like some names I'm getting right and some names I'm getting wrong, and I always tell the kids, your parents need to get hooked on phonics, okay, because what's wrong with this? Okay? I can barely read as is, all right, anyway. I get to this one name, and the girl's name is Jail, J-A-A-L. And I'm like, that's awesome. Do, do you know who this, do you know who you're named after? She's like, yeah, who? A girl in the Bible. You know the story? Like, yeah, my dad's a preacher. I know the story. And so I like stopped class, and then, you know, I just, I you know, preached the gospel. Didn't preach the gospel. I just said, this girl right here, she was named after a female assassin in the book of Judges. How cool is that? And everybody's like, that is pretty cool. So, you know. She got to tell everybody that she was named after a female assassin, okay? Anyway, bring it back to this, okay? We were adopted. It's in the book of Judges. Great story. Look it up on your own. We were adopted into his kingdom. And check this out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You are a king. Did you know that? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a king. I'm a queen. <laughs> that kind of has a negative connotation, right? I'm a king. I'm a king. It says it right here in Scripture. Now, the Mormons, I've been studying this passage this week. The Mormons literally take this verse and they use it to justify that they can become gods. Did you, did you see that in that verse? I think I missed that. 
Okay, but this is like literally their main text on justifying that you can become God. I didn't see that, but I also see that I am a king. I always tell Jillian, my, my daughter, I said, oh, you're my princess. You're perfect. I love you so much. And, and my wife's just like, stop calling her a princess. It's bad for her. It says it in the Bible. She is a princess. Okay, I'm a king. You're a king. We're all kings. And by the way, when it says sons, it, you know, there's no man nor female, you know, that verse that talks about this is to degenderize it. It means every one of us. It means every one of us. So I want you guys to understand. I want you guys leaving today saying, I am a king. Okay, I am a king. I am a king. And I think that's very important. It's something that we need to to concentrate on and think about. The next thing is um, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the Reformationist, um, the one that um, wrote 95 Theses against the Catholic Church in Germany in the 1600s. Um, he, he was just tormented. He was just absolutely tormented because he stood up against the church. Okay, And uh, his buddies, believe it or not, this is a crazy story, his buddies literally kidnapped him and threw him kind of like in a house arrest jail kind of situation so that the church wouldn't kill him, basically. While he's in jail, he's translating the Bible from Latin to German. He's translating the Bible from Latin to German. And he's writing everything down. And he's doing all these things. And he, he has this great um, thing about this verse, specifically the crying out to Abba Father. He says this. This is but a little word, Abba Father, and yet not without standing. It comprehendeth all things. Although I am oppressed with anguish and terror on every side and seem to be forsaken and utterly cast away from thy presence, yet I am thy child and thou art my father for Christ's sake. I am a child. I am a child of God. And that is the thing that we need to remember. That's the thing we need to remember. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you guys know this story, and he's sitting there and he's praying because he knows he's about to take on the sins of the entire world. He's about to take on this horrible physical death. What does he do? He cries out, Abba, Father. And in Aramaic, it literally means Daddy. He cries out, Daddy, I do not want this. It says in Luke that he was under so much torment that he, it was like he sweated blood. That's how much stress he was, he was feeling knowing what was about to happen for him. What does he do during that time? He cries out, Daddy. Guess what, guys? You can do the same thing. You have the right to cry out to your Daddy. And that's the next point. When you pray... You can call the creator of the universe daddy. Oh, that's powerful. It reminds me of this story I heard about these guys going into Bible college and, uh, you know, just brand new Bible students. And you know how brand new Bible students are. They're trying to impress their professors and stuff like that. So they're in a prayer meeting and they're, they're praying and they're, they're, they're using all these big words to talk about God and they're calling God the Omni, blah, 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 and Jehovah Jireh, which is, his, which is his name. There's a whole bunch of names for God in the Old Testament. And they're using all these great names and they're just like, you know, kind of puffing themselves up with their knowledge of the Bible. And they're like, oh, check me out. I know these things. I know these things. I know who God is. And, and then this girl who was a missionary in China, always missionary girls, positive stories, right? She just, she starts praying and she just says, Daddy, hey, Daddy, how you doing? Daddy, I love you. Thanks for letting me be a part of this Bible college. And like the professor is like blown away. The kids are blown away. Professor even gets a little emotional thinking about it because it just illustrates the point so clearly. 
the creator of the universe, of everything we see around us, of the galaxies, of the multiple millions of galaxies, we have the right to call him Daddy. How cool is that? That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, I, uh, I really enjoy reading a Bible called the Message Bible by, uh, by Peterson. Um, he writes in a version, in a very super contemporary version um, of, of English. And I'm going to read to you guys um, what he said about these, about these verses, Romans 8, starting in verse 12. And it totally like, looks different. And it, it feels different, but it's saying the same thing. And by the way, I just want to clarify, don't make the Message Bible your primary Bible. Make it a secondary Bible, because it is kind of crazy, okay? But just read these verses with me. Here we go. So don't you see that you don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for you, nothing at all. The best thing you can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It is an adventurously um, expecting, greeting God uh, sorry, expectant greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who you are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. We, and sorry, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. What's coming to us is an unbelievable inheritance. Okay, I love that phrase, What's next, Papa? As believers in Christ, as people that are filled with the Spirit, we need to have a different mindset. Our mindset should not be a mindset of being timid, a mindset of, of, oh, woe is me, filling our thumbs. We need to have the mindset of, what's next, Papa? Let's go on in this adventure. And then the last phrase that he ended with, our unbelievable inheritance. When you think about your inheritance, do you think about your adoption into the kingdom? All right, when you think about your inheritance, do you think about your adoption in the kingdom? First off, some of you guys are like, oh, I don't, don't even think anything about my inheritance. I'm not getting an inheritance. How many of you guys would like to have been in, uh, like adopted by, by Bill Gates? Things like that, okay? Apparently the Clippers were adopted by Bill Gates. Anyway, we'll move on for that, all right. All right. Um, sorry about that. Um, we have been adopted We've been adopted, and that's a powerful thing. In, in the Bible times, especially in the, in, in the Roman, uh, if you were a Roman citizen, if you were going to be adopted, you had to renounce your old parents, and you had to accept your new parents, and it had to be done in front of seven different witnesses. You had to declare, I'm now adopted. I am now different. Now, this is very important, and this is a concept that I really want you guys to, to catch, If you've had horrible tragedy, difficult struggles in your life, and every single person in this room has, even the students, especially the students, you've been adopted by God. And there's power in that. If you've gone through a divorce, you've been adopted by God. If you've had tragedy happen in your lives, if if you had your parents pass away, maybe you've even had a kid pass away, you've been adopted by God. By God. In December, it's powerful. In December, um, a kid that used to be in our youth group 
was tragically murdered off, uh, off of McKinley, the McKinley apartment complexes. And um, his dad is a really good friend of mine. His name's Rick Cheatham. And um, maybe you guys have seen the story on Facebook or you've heard the story in the Press Enterprise. I had Rick um, speak to the youth group and the power of his testimony was unbelievable. You talk about somebody that had some serious life happen to him. He's completely relaxed and confident that his son is in heaven and um, that he's going to be okay. And he's going to be okay. He trusts God with everything. I, I met with Rick for about three hours at Norco's Best. And um, I told him, I don't know. I, I, if I lost one of my three kids, I, I don't know if I could have the faith that you have. And that's where he comes back and says, but I've been adopted. I have the Holy Spirit lifting, filling me up and lifting up my life. There's something different. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of, of health insurance costs rising. I don't have to be afraid of negative amortization, although I'm a little afraid of that, okay? I don't have to be afraid of a whole bunch of things that are temporary here on this earth because I get to spend the rest of eternity with my Father because I've been adopted into his kingdom. I'm gonna close off with this illustration, my favorite illustration. My son, my son won the rain gutter or gata, which is a Cub Scout thing where you blow on a straw and make this thing go down a gutter. It's really awesome, right? He won this, and uh, he got first place, and we got a big trophy in our house. But this little sailboat reminds me of this great story about this kid who, and this is a true story, this kid who made this little like model sailboat, and he, he had the wood, and he, he crafted the wood, and you know, he, he did all this stuff to make the sailboat amazing. He also got like outside parts, kind of like a model, but he made like the base of it. What is that called, the bow? I don't know. Whatever, okay? He made, he made this amazing sailboat, model sailboat, and he was playing with it in a lake and he was watching it go around. And then he put it in a river, and unfortunately the sailboat started going down the river. And he's like running after it and he's trying, no, no, I want my sailboat, I want my sailboat. He ends up losing his sailboat. And it had value. It wasn't just something that, you know, little kid's toy. He made it. He built it and it was good. People wanted it. So he's like distraught, and I guess some time had passed. He sees his sailboat in a pawn shop. Now, obviously, I, I imagine like Rick Harris at Pawn Stars. Anybody watch Pawn Stars? Excuse me, okay. I imagine, I imagine Rick Harris, this guy, this bald guy coming out and going, oh, that's my sailboat. He goes, no. The kid goes, that's my sailboat. Look underneath it. The initials are on the bottom. That's my sailboat. Well, I'm sorry. The sailboat's actually worth something. I can't just give it to you. Can I have anybody just kind of jerk? Okay? By the way, this is not Rick Harris. It's just how I imagine it in my mind, okay? Clar- clarify that, okay? And uh, I'm just like, wow, where are the parents? Buy the kid a sailboat back. So what does the kid have to do? He goes and he, spend, and he, and he gets a job so that he can, he can do little chores around the house and other secondary jobs so that he can buy his sailboat back. He goes back to the pawn shop. I'm okay, got to crack a joke in my mind. Get a little emotional. Goes back to the pawn shop and he buys his sailboat back. He looks at his sailboat and he holds it up with excitement and happiness. And he says, You're mine. 
I made you. I bought you. Now you're twice mine. That's what Jesus did for us. He made us. We're adopted into his kingdom. And then he bought us with the blood of Christ. All those things that separate us from God that we talked about. All those things that that we need to practically work on our sins. We are completely covered by the blood of Christ. That's what Romans is about. Just because we're covered by the blood doesn't mean we should just keep going on sinning. That's the whole point of Romans, especially chapter 8. But we are covered by the blood of Christ. We've been adopted into his kingdom. And that's what we need to think. And that's what we need to remember. And we need to know that we can accomplish and we can cover and we can conquer all things. Because we've been adopted. Because we have the right to call him daddy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just love you so much, Lord. And uh, I, I just ask you, that this is a very simple message, Lord. I ask that this would be one that everybody in this room would remember. Um, Father, um, we've all fallen short of your glory. We all have sin in our life. But you bought us, Lord. You made us. We've been adopted in your kingdom, Lord. I ask that the people in this room, the adults, the kids, everybody here, Lord, would know and remember this story, Lord. Father, fill these guys up right now with the Holy Spirit right now. Let them make a commitment to follow you, Lord. If everybody could just keep your eyes closed. Um, I'd like to ask if there's anybody in this room that has not accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I'd ask that you would, you would do that right now. Is everybody with your eyes closed, if you would just do that right now by just raising your hand right now. Is there anybody in this room that would like to accept Christ as a personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Anybody else? All right, I'd ask that you guys would just keep your eyes closed. Um, Just right now, if there's anybody in this room that has made that commitment to follow Christ but has not yet got baptized, I ask that you would make that commitment right now. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If there's anybody in this room that, that would like to get baptized in two weeks on Father's Day, I ask that you also would just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the commitments of the peoples in this room, Lord. Um, I know it's not just a first-time commitment, but it's, this is one of those messages that kind of just, it sticks with everybody, Lord. I ask that everybody here, Lord, would look at their week and look at their life as I've been adopted into your kingdom. I am your son. I'm a king now. Father, fill these guys up with that. Let them feel that. Let them know that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.